I had a realization that happiness doesn't mean perfect. And yet for my entire life, I had equaled that. If I was perfect, then that would mean I would be safe and I'd be happy and um, I'd be successful. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a former TV presenter turned wellness entrepreneur. She is the creator of the mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect, described by Vogue as the mindfulness app that actually works. She's also the host of the Happy Not Perfect podcast. And by combining years of research with real life experience, her mission is to help everyone manage their mental well-being. I think now more than ever, it is important for us to all prioritise both our physical and our mental health. So I'm really glad to be joined today virtually by Poppy Jamie. Oh, thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. Hi. Oh, thank you. And thanks for yeah, giving us your time to connect today virtually online. I know this is now the new world of podcasting. So I'm sure everyone, yourself, the listeners, I'm sure we're all just getting used to this new recording life. Right. I know. It's so, it's strange, but then also it's nice to think that we can still connect even if it's not in person. Yeah. Isn't it great how quickly people adapt and evolve and change? And kind of a few weeks ago, I think everyone was kind of going, oh my gosh, you know, how do we do this? How do we do that? And now it's kind of, yeah, I guess it's already become our new normal. Totally. And I think the word which I think is one of the most important right now is that word adapt. Because I don't think necessarily we are accepting or it's getting any easier. But as long as we are focusing on adapting, I think that's been really helpful to me anyway, which is just to wake up every day and think, okay, how am I going to adapt a little bit more to make this experience better? Mm, Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And actually, I was thinking when I was thinking about the script and for this episode, I was really looking forward to recording with you today because I really do think that it's such a relevant conversation to be having right now, specifically with everything. This situation is, you know, everyone's dealing with it in a different way, but I would say that globally we are all in some way, I suppose, suffering some level of anxiety just with the uncertainty of life, uncertainty of the world, uncertainty of the situation, of work, of, you know, health, economics, I think everything is, yeah, it's just been been shifted so quickly. So I think I'd love to start really by talking to you about the app, about your app, Happy Not Perfect, you know, from when you created it to what it's become now, and what does the app offer? So Happy Not Perfect um, has been in my life for the past five years. And when I first started thinking about the idea, it really came from a personal need and also what I was beginning to realize a need from um, 
the viewers I, I had I was a TV host and um, I had uh, I launched the first TV show on Snapchat so I had millions of people watch this show and I would receive thousands of messages of people being really honest about how they feel because at the time um, social media was relatively new and Snapchat was a really interesting platform because Instagram was this uh, stream of projection. It was everything we wanted people to know about our lives or wanted to think about us. And Snapchat, because the message deleted, it was a platform where people could potentially be more honest because their message would delete. And so I started to receive these messages saying, I'm feeling really anxious, I'm feeling really stressed. And I was feeling the exact same thing. And um, eventually, I actually completely burnt out and uh, got diagnosed with adrenal burnout, which is just essentially chronic stress. It's sustained stress for a long period of time. And, um, and in that in that moment, I started actually beginning to listen to my mother who's a psychotherapist and it was one of those things that she'd always said for our entire life you know look after your mind look after your mind you know don't forget your mind and you know it was one of those things where you roll your eyes and you're like yeah 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 right 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 I've got to do this I've got to do this like achieve achieve do more do more productivity and actually um I learned the hard way that if you what you don't emotionalize you physicalize my body gave up first um and um and that was when I realized that happy not perfect needed to be a tool to help us look after our mental well-being and at the time the only things on offer to anyone that was feeling stressed or anxious or just going through life was meditation and for me I just couldn't get on board with it. I was like, I'm too busy in the morning. I don't have time. Um, and, you know, if I did try meditation, I found it really hard to stick to. And um, and this uh, and trying to find an alternative to meditation was really what was the is the foundations of Happy Not Perfect. It's uh, it gives you a daily ritual that combines the last 40 years of positive neuroscience into seven easy steps. Uh, so just like you go to the gym for your body, this is a gym for your mind. And um, and it turns positive psychology into a daily game. And it was really the thing and that education that helped me recover from my habit and uh, of overworking and and having poorer mental health because of it. Wow, that's brilliant to hear that, Poppy. I mean, not brilliant to hear that you had to learn it the hard <laughs> way. But I think, to be honest, I think it's that real combination as I discussed between you know having your experience with science because I think the two are so relevant you know we we need both I think we need to have the science we need to have the data we need to you know know that what we're asking people to do or telling people to do has you know evidence-based research and all the rest of it but actually we're human beings and I think that actually our own experiences and hearing the experiences and the stories and the lessons of others personally is where I feel like I get the most value and actually while you were talking I was thinking about there's a talk that I that I deliver sometimes and one section I talk about is optimizing energy and you know how can we optimize our energy and as you said it's not just about productivity do more do more but actually you know when you look at the signs that kind of lead to people's burnout, especially in city life and in the corporate world, there's these almost like this checklist of things, which actually when I rattle them off and I say to people about, you know, if you wake up feeling tired, if you regularly take painkillers because you have headaches, if you drink three or four coffees a day and you, you would say that you're addicted to caffeine, if you have bloating and digestive issues, if you feel 
you know, overwork, stress, all these things. And people look at that checklist and they kind of go, yeah, it just comes with the job. Like that's just normal. That's, that is life. That's how we all exist in the city. That's just expected. And I think that actually when you're, when that becomes normal, when those things become part of your everyday, as I said, addicted to coffee, waking up, feeling tired, perhaps being bloated, having skin breakouts and just thinking that that's okay. I think that is where the line has really blurred and people go, this is what, you know, as I said, it's part of the job, you know, don't complain, just look around. Everybody's in the same boat. We're all doing the same thing and actually highlighting that no way, this is not how we should be living. This is not optimum for our health and actually we can't maintain it. And eventually, unfortunately, those those burnouts happen. But by then, you know, hopefully it's not too little too late. But do you, do you know what I mean? This kind of cross accepted culture that that's just how we can all live. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we are all on a hamster wheel and it's really hard to get off. And it's hard to get off because the fear of getting off is even worse. And so for my experience, you know, I was um, self-employed, so freelance, and you have this fear of, well, if you say no to something, maybe you won't get a call next week or and you can't track your income. So it was... Um, you know, I think the fear that keeps us in the hamster wheel um, is very real. And I think that even the time we're in right now, it's like the world got burnt out and uh, it's forcing this change in rhythm. Um, and look, I've been quite busy during this corona period, but I think I, I see anyway, there is a massive wake up uh, I think globally of us all questioning whether this pace of life is worth it, is worth the bloating, is worth the health implications because what are we killing ourselves for? Because, you know, in my experience, it wasn't because I had better relationships, I had worse relationships. I had no time for relationships. So when we really consider what happiness means... What we're striving for, arguably, when we work harder and harder and harder is to think that maybe this is going to be a road to more happiness. And actually, I learned that it was really just a road to more physical pain and also emotional pain. And um, and that's really where these words, happy, not perfect, I suppose, fall into place because I had this I had a realization that happiness doesn't mean perfect and yet for my entire life I had equaled that perfect if I was perfect then that would mean I would be safe and I'd be happy and um, I'd be successful and um, obviously I never reached perfection very far from and uh, and actually have to remind myself every single day that actually happiness couldn't be far from perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting, actually, happiness and defining what happiness is and even what perfection is, because it's different for everybody, right? You know, what do you, how do you d define success? How do you define happiness? And I think for me, I think I'm learning that you can, that can change, you know, what, what you define as happiness for you in your 20s might be different in your 30s, might be different again in your 40s. And I think being, again, coming back to that thing of adapting and we're all being forced, as you said, now to adapt, it's almost like the hamster wheel has stopped for a lot of people. And yeah, they've got this new, this new 
time maybe on their hands or, you know, if they're not so busy right now, if they're not working right now. And so I guess I wanted to go back a little bit to talking to you about the Happy Not Perfect app and particularly for anyone who might be skeptical about, you know, mindfulness, meditation. Like I definitely know that I have skeptics in, in within my friendship circle. So, yeah, what's a good place to start and why should what would you say to anyone who's skeptical around, you know, oh, downloading a mindfulness app? Well, I think this is where the science is fascinating and we can't deny the science and actually we can't deny our evolutionary history. So if you go back to looking at who we really are as human beings, we learn that we have essentially only two modes of being. We're either in our safe mode, which is in our rest and relax digest system, or we're in our fight and flight ready to, um, uh, be, be, like, I'm in danger mode. And um, and the problem is, is that, you know, go back to the Sahara Desert, we would mostly be in the I am safe, the rest and relax mode. And then if we got threatened by a lion and tiger, we would switch to the I'm in danger mode and then we'd have the cascade of more, um, you know, we'd have the cortisol levels, we'd have the energy to be able to run away, we would be able to fight, we would have to flee. Uh, but the problem is with modern life is that, you know, we're not spending most of our time in that rest and relax system um, and only occasionally getting into the fight and flight. We're spending 90% of our time in fight and flight with the cortisol, with the inflammation, with our heart beating faster. Um, and of course, then that lowers our immune system. And then we're spending a tiny bit of our time if ever, in the rest and digest um, safe mode. And so what what really mindfulness does, it helps you spend more of your time and trains your brain to be able to spend more of your time in that rest and relaxed system. Because when you're in that rest and relaxed system, the benefits are endless. Your immune system gets boosted, your inflammation goes down, you can sleep better, your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that makes good decisions, rather than your emotional monkey brain is in control. And I ask everyone, who would you rather make decisions for you, a crazy emotional monkey or a badass CEO? And more often than not, it's always the badass CEO, right? We'd want to be making our life decisions for us. But that badass CEO, or some people call it the wise old owl, that part of the brain goes completely offline when we are in that emergency, I'm in danger mode. And so what mindfulness is, it's training off the pitch. And it's, and that's, and Rick Hansen, um, this amazing author of Hardwiring Happiness, he told me that. And he said, you know, mindfulness is training. So when you get on the pitch, you're making the right passes. Um, and that's so true because mostly in our life, everything's happening so quickly. We don't have time to consciously make decisions. Our automatic mind makes them for us. So we need to do the mindfulness. So it means that we start to not be in the throes of life. And I use this metaphor of kind of, you know, our life is often like sitting at the end of a bell of a clock and we're going and we're being swung from left to right, left to right in the throes of life. What mindfulness does, it helps you move up to the top of the bell so those bells are still swinging but you don't have to swing along with them you can feel centered and grounded at the top and start making these tactical decisions that fundamentally get you better outcomes so i see mindfulness hugely um useful in terms of like 
navigating your life in a way that you want rather than being um, the subject of your negative inner chatter and we all have negative inner chatter because we've an 80% negative bias and the 80% negative bias comes from again evolutionary reasons the reason why we're obsessed with thinking of thinking negatively is because once upon a time that helped us survive we wouldn't be living the life we are now if we were not wired to look out for the dangers so go back to caveman times there was no use for us. There's no evolutionary use for us to remember the good moments, but there was um, an evolutionary survival use for us to remember where the tiger was, where the snake might bite us, where there were all these potential dangers. So, of course, we then go through our life trying, and our brain thinks it's doing a really good job by trying to identify everything that could possibly be negative. And as a consequence, we then get into worry loops. We can feel overly anxious, but of course, because our brain thinks it's doing a good job for us. So again, mindfulness, especially with the app Happy Not Perfect, the reason why we developed the happiness worker in the way we did is because it challenges this negative bias. It is actually able to train us away from being so uh, negatively like caveman default mode focused and actually tries to upgrade our uh, biological hardware so we can start being hardwired for more happiness um, rather than just being in survival mode the whole time. Mm, it's, it's fascinating absolutely fascinating I love you know I read a lot about this kind of stuff because I'm really into it myself but I really liked what you described about the bell analogy and also the kind of thing about the gym you know we train our bodies often people do have a physical practice which they stick to and actually I think yeah having a having a gym for the mind is surely just as important and I think the, you know as I was talking about skeptics you know I definitely you know what I think I sit somewhere in the middle I'm not skeptical at all but I think I don't prioritize it enough in the way that others do I've got friends who you know they love anything meditation mindfulness journaling gratitude diaries uh, you know all moving slower listening silence i've got friends that do five-day silent retreats and you know they cannot get enough and so for, from their perspective they're like adrienne you know you've got to slow it down you've got to you know you're doing so many things you're always in doing mode you're always in striving mode go 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 and then i've also got i guess you know as i said i've got the skeptical friends who kind of prefer the more i don't know i think it's more of like a let's do things that are actionable let's this needs to be measurable they need to see progress and it's kind of that thing of always oh, a nice to have but as you said before I don't have time to you know lay on my back with my eyes closed for 20 minutes a day it's, it's wasted time so I definitely think I sit in the middle I see the value in it I definitely feel the value in it when I do it myself but I definitely don't prioritize it enough so with all that said what is the science but what does the science say around time and frequency so for example i know with the app it's like a daily dose which i really really like do you think that yeah does it support daily is better it can we do 15 minutes or is it better to do five minutes three times a day is one hour better is there anything to suggest one's better than the other well, I think this really just goes back to like habit formation and using the science where of, of a habit on formation for our benefit, usually rather than against. Uh, at the moment, I think that a lot of us are like tied up in habits that aren't particularly useful for us. Um, so when how the happiness workout was really developed is the more you do it, the more you're being able to train and mold your brain and like positive neuropla and utilizing positive neuroplasticity and what was one of the biggest revelations for me was the fact that f was f for the fact that I found out on uh, my brain 
and all of our brains are like plastic. And so they can be completely moldable. So going back to the gym analogy, just like our muscles can be trained, they can be stretched. Our brain has the exact capability to do that too. And, um, and just like we can't just go for one run a year and expect to be physically fit. That is the same with our brain as well. So I like to think that small and often is the best way to really form a habit than that. And it means that you don't, for example, necessarily need the apparatus anymore because you're learning to swap your perspective. You're learning to do the happiness workout almost in the moment. But um, because we're so hardwired to always focus on the negative, I think that it is really useful to do something like the happiness workout every single morning because it just reminds you. It reminds you to upgrade your mind. It reminds you to go, okay, how can I focus on what I'm grateful for over like what potentially I think is going wrong, which probably isn't? Um, How can I take a moment to do some belly breaths to relax my nervous system? So I'm also a big fan of not setting goals that you can't achieve because then you train your brain that it's okay to skip things. So start off on a routine that you know you can stick to. So if that's one happiness workout in the morning when you're having a cup of coffee, and I think that habit formation is easier to stick to when you uh, add it to something else you're already doing. So if you know that your coffee time is when you're sitting down, that's when you attach a happiness workout or you attach a meditation to it or before or whatever. Um, And then if you can attach a reward with a new habit, it means that your brain is then more incentivized to want to do it the next day. So rewards and attaching it to already uh, to a already established habits in your day I think are really useful tips to keep at something yes I couldn't agree more Poppy you are speaking my language I say this to a lot of clients around habit formation it's something that you know creating a new healthy habit and looking at looking at the fact that habits are choices initially you know they become habits but initially they are choices and I guess as well just being honest about the fact that they do require some discipline to start with but then they become habits and also wanted to loop back to what you said about the neuroplasticity piece just for anyone who missed that who kind of thought huh neuro neuro what I think it's really super powerful when I learn about that and the the concept that you know our brains as you said they're malleable they're they're plastic they can change and you can change the the thought patterns and the the kind of the roots you can rewire them and so for anyone yeah who maybe missed it could you just give us a quick breakdown of like if something, you know, sometimes people will say, well, that's just who I am. You know, I just can't, you know, they can't seem to change this mindset that they can't, you know, do a certain thing or oh, I'm just not good at that. Or, you know, how can you, yeah, just kind of give them a little bit of a framework of like what neuro- neuroplasticity is and how through repetition, personally, I believe anyway, you can rewrite all of that stuff, you know, all the past stuff, what you were good at, what you weren't good at. And actually through repetition and daily practice of anything, essentially, you could master it. Yeah, so one thing I would say is no baby comes into this world and says, don't look at me, I'm having a bad day, feeling anxious today. Just no baby says that. Mm-hmm. Babies look at you and they're full of light and life and they're girling and usually smiling. And then we learn all sorts of things and we are pretty much like empty canvases for the first kind of seven, eight years of our life. And we then learn from our environment our belief systems, how the world works. And some of these beliefs are brilliant. And obviously, you know, we're learning how to live. But a lot of the beliefs that we 
end up um, inheriting can be very limiting or, you know, and it can be as small as, you know, a teacher says, oh, God, you're useless. And then we internalize that as, oh, my God, I'm useless. And that then stays in our subconscious. So you can't delete your subconscious that's a fact. But what has been proven by science is that our brain is always plastic. So we can always challenge our old beliefs and learn new ones. And neuroplasticity is basically a fancy word to say that your brain is plastic. So I was doing a talk the other day and someone put up their hand and just as you were saying, they said, yeah, but I'm just an anxious person. Well, the science doesn't necessarily support the statement, I'm just an anxious person, because science shows that you have the ability to change anything. And that I found really liberating because I also was that person that used to say, I'm just a stressed person. I'm just an anxious person. I'm just a warrior. Mm. And um, and through repetition and practice, and our, and our brain is always trying to find new paths. And our brain is also trying to be really efficient and uh, and find the easiest path to go down. So that's why sometimes it's really hard to create new beliefs because our brain is like, oh, no, it was easier just to go down the old belief of thinking I'm no good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is why neuroplasticity to me was like liberation. I was like, yes, it means like, God, like someone has shown me that I don't need to be stuck with this. And um, and that's what I just think is so brilliant about positive psychology and the research that's been done in the last 40 years to to be a gateway to much more kind of mental freedom than I believe possible. Absolutely. Like you said, it's a game changer. It's so liberating to learn it. And I I had the same exact feeling. I felt like, hang on a minute. So as you said, when that person said to me, oh, Adrienne, you talk too much or oh, Adrienne, you're you're the sporty one or whatever these beliefs are that people put on you as a label, you kind of just accept and go, "Okay, cool. But then actually, yeah, it took me years to kind of challenge those and go, "Okay, if I talk too much, maybe that's because my passion is speaking, interviewing, using my voice and that actually... I can just use that as, you know, I can I can hone that skill. I can work that. And as you said, rewiring this understanding and this belief that something negative actually could be something really, really positive. Hence now being the host of this podcast. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant when you, you know, really go back and unpick and try to start to understand that whatever the story, whatever the belief, whatever the skill set, you can change it. It's so empowering. We're the only species on the planet that can do that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So anyway, I'm going down this whole rabbit hole, but I want to bring it back a little bit to for people listening to this show right now. This situation is crazy. Something that is coming up a lot for in questions and a lot that I'm hearing is sleep. People talking about the fact maybe right now their sleep has changed and they they're either not sleeping or they're having wild dreams or they're anxious about not being able to fall asleep. Um, and I did do a, a a podcast interview last year with a sleep scientist, Dr. Sophie Bostock. It was amazing. But I know there's also guides and about sleep on your app. So yeah, could you give us some takeaways for sleep and how if our sleep is changing right now, what could we potentially do to help? 
Yes, absolutely. So we um, have got an amazing sleep meditation um, teacher. Uh, he's actually a sleep hypnotist called Daniel Ryan on the Happy Not Perfect app. And uh, he is phenomenal. And really hypnotism, if anyone is wondering what that is, it's just a form of deep, deep relaxation. And uh, usually when we're feeling very stressed and we can't go to sleep, um, our body is feeling as tense as our mind. And because through biofeedback, our obviously body and mind are in constant communication. So a tip to help you fall asleep is to focus on relaxing the body. Because if you relax your body, your body then sends signals to your mind to say, it's safe. And I love going back to caveman times because it explains so much of our behavior. But when, for example, we wake up in the middle of the night, again, our brain thinks it's doing a good job. Because if you think about it, back in caveman times, if we if we sense danger, our brain would want to wake us up so we could defend ourselves. And so usually we get woken up if we haven't been able to process the what's gone on in the day. And we're waking up to kind of finish that processing or um, because otherwise that potentially could be dangerous for whatever reason we're worrying about. So another great trick to stop that worrying mind from waking you up is to journal before bed. Mm-hmm. And um, this then, uh, and when you journal, and that's why uh, actually in the happiness workout, we have a journaling step. This activates your prefrontal cortex, that computer side. And by doing so, you start relaxing the emotional center. And then again, you're helping your brain go to sleep. So I, I like to think that sleep, we almost have to get into a relationship with sleep. We've got to help our sleep. It's not just like, okay, get really angry. Like, why have I not fallen asleep in the first 30 seconds? Oh my God. It's actually like, okay, what can I do to help this process? Because it is, it's a constant back and forth um, between our sleeping self and ourself. Um, And actually, I think I interviewed recently Dr. Neil Stanley, who's been a sleep researcher for the last 25 years. And, um, and he's just like, just says it how it is. And, um, and he said, you know, um, there is no reason why we should have trouble sleeping because we have we living in the best times ever. If you think about it, you know, the Western world, they usually have a nice bed. You know, there's usually central heating if we're cold. Um, you know, we're not in huts. We're not in tents. Um, but yet we still can't sleep. And often we are our own worst enemy because we're watching Netflix and stuck on Tiger King till 2am um, and um, so it's 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 being quite disciplined with ourselves too saying okay I am going to give myself that hour without being stimulated by XYZ and um, I always love the quote the CEO of Netflix said uh, my greatest competitor um, is sleep you know, he didn't say Amazon Prime or mm-hmm. or YouTube. He was like my biggest competitor asleep. And that just shows you if these huge corporate companies are seeing sleep as their competitor, it's in their interest to make you not sleep and for you to stay awake. And so they decrease commercial breaks um, so your attention doesn't leave what they're showing you. So just, again, be mindful about, you know, your the your sleep is the most important thing for you, for your, like your development, your, you know, your repairing um, to help you set, set you up for the next day. And the commercial world want to take that away from you. So fight against them and mm. really prioritize your time before bed. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point because also, you know, right now I've listened to quite a lot of stuff recently around, you know, just optimizing our immunity and, you know, staying well in this situation. And it says that sleep is, you know, I think across the board, people are agreeing, whether it's doctors, you know, nutritionists, all agreeing that sleep is such a game changer for immunity, whether that's fighting a virus or just, you know, physical and mental health complaints. And actually, you know, if we are in a situation right now where we can create our sleep routine, go to bed at whatever time, get up at you know we really are in control of that that is something that we can control i think it's really important to prioritize i know it's easy to watch another episode and stay up and it seems so boring to be like oh adrienne i'm always talking honestly poppy for people who listen to this show i'm always talking about getting to bed early getting up early and kind of having this ninja type discipline in the evening to go to bed but it's only because i've seen the impact that it has had in my own life and then as soon as you know if it goes out the window for whatever reason and i am you know shifting and going to bed later i feel the impact immeasurably far more than anything else far more than my training my diet like it's literally if sleep is good everything's in line you know yeah totally so one more thing before i move on to talk to you about the power hour and this is about routine so at the moment i'm definitely seeing two camps again there's one that's like we know routine is good structure is good wake up in the morning have a structure do this throughout the day time block productivity and then and also for parents you know i'm a parent and homeschooling right now it's like okay let's have this structure for kids during the day but there's also people saying you know scrap the routine this is not a normal time we are currently living through a global pandemic forget the routine and just go with the flow feel whatever you feel if you don't want to get dressed don't worry about it and actually you know just when we get back to some kind of normal then we can think about you know routine but what would you say poppy what do you think I think that I agree with both. And this is when I just don't, I really fiercely don't agree with like people not personalizing the advice they hear to them. Yeah. And, you know, for example, there's been some days and I love routine and it's the only thing that like gets me out of bed and, um, and, you know, helps me accomplish what I need to do that day and actually makes me feel good if I'm able to stick to my routine. But there's been, you know, some days where I'm like, oh god just oh you know and you just can't get the energy and you try all the hacks and and then at that point I'm in a great favor of just a compassionate gentle handling with yourself and if you know my friend called me yesterday and she said I just can't concentrate today and I said just allow yourself to not concentrate today and so I think there is just like a degree of flexibility we all need to allow ourselves because yes yeah, some days it's it's the routine is necessary and it's fantastic you said so good for kids but there's other days that we our body may just say okay I need to rest and this is a bit more intense than usual and I think people underestimate um the the how draining um uncertainty is Mm. and so just allowing yourself to have maybe one extra day where you like just take off the pressure and dial down the accelerator is maybe really healthy for you right now um and so that's what i would say which i completely agree with you on the whole you know like personalizing the the information one thing i'm going to challenge you on though poppy is what about when you know like some people will say to me oh that's cool but if i just do that then basically i'm going to listen to myself i'm going to be compassionate i'm going to eat ice cream i'm going to watch tv and i'm not getting dressed and that's going to be the next day and the next day and the next day where do we kind of draw the line and step in and kind of go you know what 
this isn't going to be good for me long term. But right now, this is how I feel. And I can't break this loop. But I don't want to do this for two weeks or two months. Do you know what I mean? How could what would you what would you well, think? I think there's one thing being compassionate to yourself today. And there's another thing being compassionate to your future self. So mm. you make the choice who you want to be more compassionate to. Like, does your present self need it more than your future self? Because you know your future self is going to appreciate your routine and you're not doing that, but your present self may. So look, it's, and that is, that's, that's the, tr- the, tr- the, the trickiness of being human mm. is that it, I think there is a degree of restriction, right? And they always say you, you only can light a match if you have friction between the match and the lighter. And so I think that, if you know, like, you're a Pringle and, you know, once you pop, you can't stop, <laughs> which which is really me when it comes to Pringles. I, like, demolish <laughs> packs of them. But um, but I think it's just, again, knowing what you're like. If, if you can be, if you can give yourself a bit more time, uh, maybe it's not the whole day, maybe it's the morning, but um, I think everything in moderation and moderation itself. Yeah, I love that. I love that, especially the whole choose which one you want to be compassionate to, future self or the self now. And I think what you're describing then is often, that's my relationship with running a lot of the time. You know, last year when I was, I did six half marathons for that exact reason, because I know that on the mornings when I don't want to lace up, I don't want to particularly like run in the cold. If it's raining, I'd rather not. Then I'm like, you know what, that race is coming. And it's kind of like, I know I don't want to get to the start line and be under trained. So I think even though I talk about running analogies a lot, you know, I think that is a really important point is to consider like, yeah, right now, as you said, be compassionate, maybe just to, for the morning, but by midday, it's like, okay, let's get it, let's shake it off and let's kind of think about what you want to achieve later on and how you're going to get there. Cause yeah, I think finding that balance is really important right now. Otherwise, you know, let's be honest, it'd be really cool to just take a month off and do nothing. But I think afterwards you might look back and go, oh, you know what? I wish I'd done it slightly differently. Totally. Cool. So let's talk about the power hour. This episode probably has been brilliant. It's going so quickly. I feel like I could just talk to you all day. Firstly, we haven't really spoken much about you because it's been all around, you know, like advice for the for the listeners and around the different techniques and the tools, which is great. But I'd love to know if you have a morning routine, what that looks like, what time you typically get up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day like? Okay, so my power hour morning. Um, you know, it has changed a lot since since Corona. So maybe my power. I'll go through my power hour. Um, before Corona, is that is that helpful, or would sure. you like Corona power hour? No, let's go for well, maybe pre and po- maybe pre and and now and now. So um, usually my power hour um, would be I always exercise in the morning, and um, and that always starts the first thing I do even before I brush my teeth is go for a 15 minute walk so I literally get out of bed put my trainers on and go for a walk and to me that's my meditation and um and it clears my head it gets my body moving and um and it sets me up for my entire day and I can just consider everything and either I'll do it in silent and think about my breathing or I'll put on um, and if I need an energy boost I'll put on my favorite music and it is incredible in 15 minutes I'm in a good mood I can handle my day I'm ready for anything um so first of all is that first 15 minute walk is critical 
I love coffee. I absolutely love it. It is, honestly, I wake up in the morning and I just think about my coffee. <laughs> I love it so much. So usually within the first half an hour, I have uh, made a Barocca. So before I have my coffee, I make a Barocca uh, because that gives me the nutrients I feel that I need. And then I will make a coffee and I'm really particular with um, the almond milk I use. Okay. Uh, so I'll, either I'll make homemade almond milk or I'll buy Rude Health because I'm really aware of like the the additives that are in some of the almond milks, um, and um, and if I'm really treating myself, I'll go and buy um, like an almond milk latte, which is again, it's like my birthday every day when I get one. I love it so much, and then um, I usually. Um, try and fit in because I live quite close to my gym I try and fit in a yoga class or some sort of class from that 7.30 to 8.30 mark mm-hmm. um, and then by 9 I'm washed dressed and usually sitting at my desk and I work from home a lot so um, so I'm kind of yeah that first hour of my day I fit in all my favorite things yeah. so my walk my coffee and some exercise I love that. I love that. I think the the ritualistic thing around the coffee and also just the joy that you describe it with. You know, you're like, I love it. I love it. It's like my birthday, just the coffee. And I think that's the thing is we can take the small things for granted, you know, like, oh, yeah, have my coffee, do this, do that. But if it is something that you love, if it is, I have that as well. My thing is nut butter. I love nut butter so so much (laughs) that it's the joy in my day. And honestly, when sometimes before my run, I have my nut butter and my banana. I'm honestly like, this is so good. And it's like, just because just it's so simple. But I think taking the joy in the simple things surely you know those are the moments essentially that make up our entire lives so yeah I love that you do, you enjoy your coffee so much and top tip there with the Barocca I was like guys this this woman is preaching because the hydration before the caffeination is what you need in the morning so this is good I did miss though did you tell us what time do you have an alarm what time does it go off so it changes. Usually, it kind of usually depends on if I've decided to do an exercise class. Um, mm-hmm. But usually, it's I would say that it's either seven o'clock or seven thirty. Mm. I'm really not a six a.m. Sometimes I'll get up at six thirty if I really want to do a seven o'clock class. If I've yep. got to like be somewhere at nine and not be at my like home desk at nine. But uh, you, it's somewhere between the six thirty, which is like not not normal and mm-hmm. 7.30. Cool. And so now, obviously, in this situation, so if you work from home sometimes, then perhaps this isn't as big an adaptation as, as it is for some people, you know, if they're used to commuting, getting into the office at a certain time. But for you, if you have that home set up, how has it changed now in this new environment? So it hasn't changed too much but I do love I used to love the gym and I love classes and I love working out with people I love that community feel of working out um and I really really like love yoga classes um Mm -hmm. and kind of doing breath work with lots of people around you um so I have um slightly changed it I will still get up at 7 seven thirty, and then usually I'll do a 25 minute uh, yoga class either using uh the fit app which I really like f-i-i-t um, and they have loads of classes on there really easy to follow um or I've become quite obsessed with the different lives that are going around on social media and cycle has a really good live and they have loads of different classes and um 
uh, and so I'll either find or workshop. Mm-hmm. They um, have a lives that are very much focused on posture, which is something they haven't really focused on before. Um, and um, so, so that's that's quite fun. And um, and then I uh, make yeah make my coffee uh, at home, and uh, and I usually don't have breakfast. Uh, I usually try and work, do two hours of work before I have breakfast. Yeah, yeah, the morning fasting. And oh my gosh, Puppy, I am so happy to hear you say that you're using the Fit app. I was like, this because when you're describing, you know, breath work, the 25 minute class, I was like, she must be using the app. So I'm really happy to hear that. Okay, before I ask you my closing question, Puppy, can you tell the lovely listeners where they can follow you online and where they can find Happy Not Perfect, the app and the podcast? Yes. Um, so you can find me on social media. It's just at Poppy Jamie, P-O-P-P-Y-J-A-M-I-E. You can find the Not Perfect podcast on all podcasting platforms. Um, and you can find Happy Not Perfect on the App Store or Android. Um, and you can try it out for free. So give it a go. And hopefully it will help your your morning routine to focus on the positives and let go of the things that are potentially stressing you out. Yes, and I definitely can't recommend that you give it a go enough. I know that a lot of listeners of this show are very active people, runners, people that work out. It's just as important for us to focus on working out our minds, guys, especially in this time. So honestly, if you do nothing else today, after this episode, head over to the App Store, download it and give it a go. Okay, so my closing question for you, Poppy, is if you had one extra hour of time, what would you use that extra hour every single day to do? You know what? It would actually be to call and speak to more friends. And I think that our life is always made better by our friends. So if I had an extra hour, I'd dedicate it to them. Yes, that's lovely. I think I've been doing that a lot more recently. And I hope that when we go back to the busyness of life and usual routines, I'm going to try to continue that, especially my family quiz which I've been loving on Zoom my, me my brother and sister doing these insane <laughs> so quizzes fun. and he last night my brother was the quiz host it was very <laughs> I mean he's amazing and he's an entertainer anyway he's usually in a West End show but he's not at work right now so we're getting to enjoy him entertaining us instead so oh, yeah so I'd love nice. to keep that going well thank you so much Poppy it's been great to connect and thank you so much everybody for tuning in and listening to the Power Hour podcast I really hope that you are staying well that you're staying home that your friends and your family are well if you enjoyed this episode or you feel that somebody you know would benefit from it then please do share it you can rate and review us on itunes you can get in touch on social media all that good stuff have a great week and stay safe see ya When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.